All right, we're going to continue an ongoing series here of how the rabbis dealt with various heretics in their challenges and uh, trolling, really, of uh, of the rabbis and of Judaism. And some of these some of these uh, some of these challenges sound like you know fair, legitimate questions, maybe with a little bit of an edge, but still. And some of them are just literally trolling, as you'll soon see. So I guess the rabbis didn't believe always in the principle of don't feed the trolls. And they felt that some of them needed to be put in their place. And like we said before, it all depends on what kind of heretic and how knowledgeable you are. And there's a little bit of, there are some variables that go into the decision of whether to respond to a heretic or not. A certain heretic said to Rabbi Yishmael, the son of Rabbi Yishmael, the Torah says, Hashem rained down upon Sodom and Amora, sulfur and fire from Hashem. Now, Hashem rained down da, 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 from Hashem is either redundant or speaking of two deities, two gods. So the heretic said, it should have said, Hashem rained down sulfur and fire from himself. From him, upon the cities. Why does it say from Hashem? Doesn't that show you that there's more than one boss in the sky? So there was a launderer. An implication, it was a simple man. A launderer, not a scholar, not a full-time teacher or intellectual. A launderer, a manual worker, was standing nearby. He heard this question. He says to Rabbi Yishmael, Leave him alone. I'm going to respond to him. I got this, Rabbi. Every Rabbi's dream, by the way, that people should come up in the middle of tense moments and say, Rabbi, eh, I got this one. You, you can set this one out. It would be nice. There's a verse earlier in the book of Bereshit where Lemech, father of Noah, is quoted as saying to his wives, Ada and Tzila, hear my voice, wives of Lemech, give heed to my speech. So he's referring to himself in third person. Right? Now, he should have said, listen, my wives, listen to me. Why does he say wives of Lemech? This is, this is evidence that sometimes the Torah uses this form of, it's a figure of speech for a person to refer to himself in the third person. And if the Torah can speak that way about a human being, you could say the same thing here, then in the Pasuk about Sodom, it's a figure of speech for Hashem to, for the Torah to say, Hashem rained down fire and sulfur from Hashem. And you haven't proven anything, so take a seat. It's not a big deal. So it was a pretty good answer. So Rabbi Shmuel says to him, How did you know this? You know, seemingly a little bit, uh, a little bit surprised at the knowledge of the simple launderer. <clears throat> so he said, I heard this response, this uh, retort from the lectures of Rabbi Meir. And uh, we digress a moment to discuss Rabbi Meir's approach to public lectures, which is a very interesting insight into how one of the greatest rabbis of the Talmud would adjust, perhaps, or, or modulate his, his message when he was speaking to the general community. 
as opposed to a class in the study hall. When a mayor would deliver a public lecture, again, not to his students in the study hall, but to the general broader public, he would divide the lecture into three parts. He would do one-third of halacha, in other words, one-third of actual Torah um, ideas. Tilta agadata, one-third would be stories, agada, and tilta masli, one-third would be parables, which were all there to convey a certain point, to help accentuate whatever points he was trying to make in the other sections. But when you have a public lecture, that's one-third um, let's say more legal, legalistic um, ideas, and two-thirds agada and parables, you have a pretty good recipe for not putting the crowd to sleep, I think. It's very interesting that this is Rev. Mayer's approach for public lectures. He didn't just come out and try to impress people with his brilliance or, 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 or you know, just talk over people's heads. You know, there, there was a school of thought um, Lahavdil, popularized by Steve Jobs. In communications, you don't have to speak to everybody, just speak to the top 10%. Everybody else will follow. You know, it's a little bit condescending to the, and there's truth to it maybe from a marketing perspective. Um, it's a little bit condescending to the bulk of society. You could argue there, here and there, but certainly it was quite successful for Apple. But um, the problem with that approach is that you're really, you're not connecting with 90% of the people directly. You're relying on them following the leader and it has its merits if all you want to do is sell computers. But as a teacher, as a leader, as a spiritual guide, you need to be able to speak to every person at their level and have them feel like you can connect with them. And so Rabbi Mayer clearly adjusted, I'm pretty sure, the Gemara doesn't say this, the Gemara doesn't get into the contrast, but I'm pretty sure that this was very, very different from how he would teach a class in the study hall to his full-time Torah students. Um, you know, we have, we have on record in the Gemara that Rabbah, also one of the great rabbis of the Talmud, would begin his lectures with a joke. But that was a lecture in the study hall to full-time Torah students who were advanced scholars. He'd begin the lecture with a joke, and then he would teach his, 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 Torah, his Torah class. And there's the idea, like the same reason that rabbis do jokes today. You get everybody comfortable, the mind broadens, the mind opens, people are paying attention, they're more receptive to your message, fine. But after that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a third joke, it was a little joke at the beginning, and then you move on. It's 98% Torah, 99% Torah, 1% joke. Here, it was basically 33% halacha, 66% agada or parables, very interesting um, philosophy and... and Pedagogy of, of approaching public communications. Um, another tangent on the tangent that Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon also said, It's very common for the rabbis to use foxes, foxen, foxes, as, um, as characters in parables. And Rabbi Meir actually had 300 different parables featuring a fox. We only have remaining, we've lost records of 297. We only know about three of them. And they are based on the following verses. One verse, the book of Yechezkel says, 
fathers have eaten unripe, unripe grapes. The children's teeth are set on edge. Second verse from the book of Vayikra, the commandment to have correct, properly balanced um, uh, weights, scales. And the third pasuk from the book of Mishlei, where it says, Tadik The righteous is saved from trouble, and the wicked comes in his stead. So, um, these three parables we have in one story. It's quoted by um, <coughs> Rashi brings down a, a, a long parable that sort of combines all three in one. I'll just summarize it here. The fox once tricked a wolf, telling him that if he goes into a Jewish courtyard on a Friday, surround, a courtyard surrounded by Jewish homes, on Friday, if he helps the residents prepare for Shabbat, They'll allow him to eat with them on Shabbat. And the, the wolf said, great idea. He tried to enter the courtyard, and everybody drove him away with sticks. So he came back to the fox. He said, I'm going to kill you. You gave me bad advice. The fox said, they only, they only hit you with sticks because of your father. Your father um, once went to help them prepare for Shabbat, but then while, they, while he was there, he ate all the best pieces of meat. So they remember what your father did, and they thought you were going to do the same, so they beat you. So the wolf says, why should I be beaten because of my father? So the fox says, quoted this first verse, the fathers have eaten unripe grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, children will be punished for their father's sins if they continue in their father's evil ways. Um, but he said, and then he said, okay, you want to eat? I'll show you where to eat. Come with me. We'll go eat somewhere. So they go to a well and across the well, there's a beam, a wooden beam laying across the top and a rope hanging over the beam into the well with buckets on either side of the rope. And the fox climbs into one bucket, and the bucket obviously goes down into the well, right, like a pulley. And the wolf said, why'd you go in? So the fox said, wait, look over here, Look, let me show you. There's cheese, there's meat. And he showed him a reflection of the moon in the water. So from the top of the well, it looked like that was a block of cheese. <coughs> so the wolf said, how can I get down? So the fox said, climb in the other bucket. And sure enough, the, the, the wolf climbs in, the fox, his bucket rises up to the top, he hops out, now the wolf is at the bottom of the well. And uh, the, the wolf started to realize what was going on, he says, okay, there's no food here, how do I get back up? So the, wolf, the fox tells him, the righteous is saved from trouble, and the wicked comes in his stead. In other words, that's, that's what just happened, um, that uh, I got out of trouble and you took my place, now you're stuck in the bottom of the well. And uh, and it is written, we have we must have equal ba- proper properly balanced weights. Everything must be just. So justice has been administered. I am out of the well. You're in the well. And that was the one of the uh, analogies and, and uh, parables of Rabbi Meir with the fox. I think we're going to break here and continue more. There's much much more to come. Various different engagements of heretics and rabbis. Stay tuned.